What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. show for you guys playing tonight we will be doing a full first round mock with none other than mellow from stick to football you know we've had connor rogers on you know we've had matt miller on so it's only fitting that we wrap it up with mellow from stick to football again he joins us with a full first round mock draft a traditional snake draft if you will i'll take the first two and then he will take the following two and we'll trade off back and forth until the end of the first round um, and in traditional fashion, as we've seen most of these mock drafts, a lot of defensive linemen taken off the board and taken off the board early. So um, without further ado, we'll get into that interview with Mello. But before we do, however, wherever you found this podcast, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Like, subscribe, rate, and review. That's how your boy gets paid. We appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, and thanks again to Mello and all the Stick to Football guys uh, for coming by and joining us on the NFL Mocks podcast. Brought to you by Fansided. Thanks. We'll see you guys next time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a mock draft with Mello. That's right. We're joined by the third and final piece of the Stick to Football trilogy. We saved the best for last. M-E-L-L-O. Mello, how are we doing today, brother? Oh, fantastic, man. I love hearing that. The best part for last. That's, that's great. Yeah, I mean, for those listening, obviously, that have been listening to the NFL Mocks podcast, we opened up. Uh, our stick to football uh, Rolodex, if you will. We had Connor Rogers on first, and then your brother Matt Miller, and then yeah, like you said, we saved the best for last and wrapped it up here with Mello. So Mello, I appreciate. Obviously, first of all, thanks for coming by and joining us here on the NFL Mox Podcast, bro. Yeah, man. Anytime. I mean, you got the other two, so it, it seemed like the right thing to do. And- I'm just happy to be a part of it. No, man, you guys have been more than gracious enough to uh, give us a little bit of your time here on the NFL Mocks podcast. And today, folks, we're going to go through a full first-round mock draft, a little bit of snake draft uh, here with me and Melo. But first, we've got to return a little bit of a favor as some of the listeners who have, may have checked out that episode with Melo's brother, Matt. Uh, you know, Melo pitched in and gave us a few uh, behind-the-scenes, maybe behind-the-curtains uh, questions and delivered a few bangers. So I obviously had to, again, return the favor, hit Matt up this morning. Uh, he sent me a few questions. You ready, Mello? I don't know, man. He's a bigger asshole than I am. So, you know, honestly, we'll see. honestly, man, I don't, I don't know. He may have uh, middle, uh, you know, ha- I don't know the answers to these questions, obviously. So they may be a little more impactful than I think. But I think he kind of threw some softballs at you, uh, especially uh, starting with the top. He asked, what's your third favorite beer, Mello? Which is uh, a okay. very interesting question uh, in my mind. 
I mean, obviously, we know you're a natty daddy. Uh, you enjoy the finer things in life, such as natural light uh, on a fine Saturday afternoon. But what is your third favorite beer? And then I guess we'll back end it with what's your second favorite beer, Mello? So I'm, I'm pretty known for drinking two beers. Obviously, Natty Light is like my it's my go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, it's kind of hard to find, especially if you're out at a restaurant or, or somewhere else. So I always drink Bud Light as like my second beer. Yeah, uh, man. My third beer, though, that is a good question because I I'm so stuck on the other two. Uh, I guess I'd have to say like Blue Moon. Oh. It's, uh, I've called it my fancy beer. Sometimes I don't really like it, though. I'm. I'm you basically like anything that tastes like carbonated water with like a hint of a beer flavor, right? Exactly. As, I mean, exactly. I'm right there with you. I mean, in, in that case, Mello, may I suggest uh, perhaps a, a Michelob Ultra or something yeah. along the lines of that? Or maybe even, you know, even harder to find off the wall even further. Maybe even a Bud Select 55. That's about as watery of a watered beer as we could get. Um, I'm right there with you, though. I think any anything along the lines of an IPA, you can get that the hell out of here. Um, anything yep. that people tell me, you know, it's got a good heavy taste to it or something like that. You're just getting <laughs> a little extra to me, man. I'm here uh, for the beer, not, uh, you know, for the extra taste, anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever actually had a beer and I've been like, oh, man, I love the taste of this thing. Like, I'm, I drink to get drunk. That's That's my thing. I'm not just sitting back to relax with a beer. I'll find something else. I'll get like a mixed drink or, or something like that. But as far as beer goes, yeah, the more it tastes like water, the better for me. All right. So uh, we'll stick with the beer-themed questions. Why haven't you gotten the natty tat that you owe, Matt? Uh, first of all, say that five times fast. Um, good luck. <laughs> um, but anyways, why haven't you gotten this natty tat that apparently uh, you owe your brother? And what was that bet you lost? No. So it's, uh, it's over a year in the making now. We made a bet. Uh, and I believe it was like last November that that Josh Allen, the quarterback, mm-hmm. wouldn't be top ten. I said he wouldn't go top ten overall. That the other quarterbacks were just too good. And uh, we made a, a tattoo bet that if Josh Allen went top ten overall, I would get a Natty Light tattoo. Mm-hmm. And that if he fell out of the top ten, Matt was going to get a Boulevard tattoo. Uh, well, obviously Josh Allen gets drafted. I believe it was seven overall. I really thought Josh Rosen was going to be that third quarterback taken. Yeah. And that I wouldn't have anything to worry about, but I was wrong. And uh, I owe up on that tattoo bet. I should get it. Uh, but, you know, afterwards, a lot of people got involved and we're talking about like maybe turning it into something, doing something on an Instagram live or sponsoring it or doing something like that. And they told me to hold off. So I did. I I waited. I wanted to see if they were going to make it into something. And so I waited and I waited and we didn't hear anything. And then, you know, tried to touch base with people again and nothing really ever came of it. So now I think I'm just going to put it off as long as I can. If I don't have to get a god awful tattoo, I'm I'm not going to. You know, it's a little off topic, but let's bond a little bit for a second, Mello. I actually owe a hand a handful of my friends a LeBron James tattoo uh, because I, um, when they were down 3-1 to the Golden State Warriors, I'm a huge LeBron fan, uh, have followed him since uh, his days at St. Vincent, St. Mary's. I said there's no way, obviously, he'll ever come back from this 3-1 deficit. Uh, But I I had to tell him, you know, if he does, if he comes back and wins uh, in seven, I'll get a LeBron James tattoo somewhere on my body. Uh, That was in 2016, Mellow. I'm still ink-free. Uh, till this day here in 2019. So fight the good fight, brother. Hold it off as long as you can. Like all kinds of bonding, though, because uh, Matt and I had a bet on that. I bet that LeBron James and the Cavs would win that series. I said they'd do it in five games and uh, lost out to some of my other buddies. So we had to chug five beers back to back to back. Oh, that's not that bad. That sounds like a good time, honestly. So, right, it doesn't sound that bad. That's just so much liquid to take in at one time yeah. that it made it very difficult and it was so cold uh, that as soon as it like hit the back of your throat it just felt like it froze so it was actually a lot harder than i thought it was going to be i thought like oh whatever five beers that's no problem uh, it was actually a little more difficult than it I sounds thought. like the gallon milk challenge but exactly with, but like, with beer. Yeah, exactly all right uh so my next question i got for you is what did you think of pat mahomes before the draft mellow ah uh, yeah so uh I'm a diehard Texas fan, and I, I have been since so I'm, I was I'm betting, real young. I'm, I'm betting you are not very sold on Pat Mahomes. That's why he loaded this one up, obviously. Exactly. That is yeah. loaded. Uh, Sorry. I, I did not like Pat Mahomes at all. I uh, I thought he was going to bust as a quarterback. I think you could even find a tweet of me where I said Vince Young was going to have a better career 
than Pat Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, looking back on it, I was very wrong. But I've, I've turned around my opinion on that one. I definitely know that I was wrong and that Pat Mahomes is a very special quarterback, and I'm just very thankful that he's the quarterback of my Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, man, you know what? I don't know if you watch modern-day baseball, but modern-day baseball is all about taking daddy hacks. All right, so yeah. you know what? Calling Pat Mahomes, you know, just – being the only guy that's not sold on him. And I'm sure there were, but no one's out here just saying, you know, being brash about him, being honest. Because when most people in this draft business swing and miss, they try to hide those misses. Uh, but here you are being nice and truthful, thanks to your brother uh, for loading up this question. But again, it's, <laughs> yeah, all, it's, it's all about daddy hacks, man. So I'm sure, you know, your, your, hit, your, swing, or your hit to miss ratio is probably still pretty high, nonetheless. Um, so last question I've got for you that he loaded up for you, and then I've got one. Uh, at the end, uh, rank the stick to football host in drinking ability. I've got a sneaky suspicion you're at number one. Um, so the debate now becomes between Connor and Matt. So rank the STF drinking ability of the staff, my man. Uh, I am clearly far and away number one for sure. And, uh, you know, Matt can hold his own too. Uh, we usually record our podcast every uh, Sunday night, Tuesday mornings, and Thursday nights. Yeah, a lot of tops but, being popped uh, in those podcasts, my man. Exactly. You've probably heard it. And then afterwards, it, I mean, it's even it's even worse, especially on a Thursday. So Matt can hold his own, too. Uh, Connor's really not much of a drinker, so I think it'd have to go me, Matt, and then there's some space there, and then we get to Connor. Yeah, I uh, I definitely didn't quite do all my research on Connor Rogers. I did, uh, I did the Twitter research, and then after – the uh, podcast, you know, towards the end, I kind of plugged his, his Twitter name. And then he kind of threw out there his Instagram name, which was the same. But he said, you know, quote, I'm kind of trying to plug it a little bit more. And then I went to go look at it. And he's a completely different dude on Instagram. My man is chiseled and shredded up on that exactly. thing. Which is probably why he's not pounding, you know, the heavy carbs in the brew dogs after the game. Or after oh, the show. 100%, man. I mean, yeah. he really takes care of himself. And uh, kudos to him for being able to do it. I can't stay away from the pizza and beer long enough to get in shape. Yeah, I mean, pizza and beer, top-notch, top-notch. All right, so last question I have for you before we get into this mock draft. And you can feel free to pass because we talked about it a little bit before the show. This anonymity that you got going on is pretty awesome. I hope I said that word right. Uh, it's the first shot I've ever tried at that one. But anyways, <laughs> what's your government name, Mello? Oh, I'm going to take a hard pass on that one. Well, there you go, hard pass. Stay off hard the pass. grid. Stay it's off not really the grid. The- the story behind it, though, and I get a people, I get a lot of people that ask me about it. It's not something that I went into with like, oh, I'm going to hide my identity and and who I really am. Uh, but I'm also a teacher, like on top of the podcast yeah. and everything at BR. I'm a teacher, and my family has always called me Mellow for mm-hmm. for my entire life. I've always been Mellow. So when I started coming on the podcast, it was just natural for Matt to call me Mellow because that's all he's ever called me. Yeah. And then it got into the, well, let's run with that because, honestly, I don't want some of my students hearing some of the shit that I have to say. So let's just stick with Mellow for now, and we'll roll with that, and then I don't have to worry about it. So it's kind of keeping those two worlds separated. I don't know if they're quite ready to run into each other yet. All right, so if Thursday night post-stick-to-football recordings get a little rough, what does class look like Friday for Mr. Mellow's uh, you know, class going on. What are they? Are we watching a video? Are we watching the Magic School Bus? Uh, what we got going on? Lights are off. No. We got a TV rolled in front. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I wish, but no, that's not always the case. You just got to bear and grin it. Mm. Um, but most of our Fridays at my school, actually, we have so much going on and so much planned uh, with kind of the way that we do things that there's there's actually not a whole lot of teaching that goes on. And then our students have half days for Fridays, which is great. So we have teacher meetings that go on afterwards. So, But I've definitely had to, had to learn how to take care of myself on Thursday nights so I'm ready for Friday mornings. Automatic half days on Fridays for teachers' meetings. I, you tell me I, got, I, used to, I would have gotten off from school at lunchtime every Friday. What, is, what are these kids got going on these days? No, it, it's very good. If you're a, if you're a student, they still get lunch on these days too, but they leave at twelve thirty every day. I'm so we make fight. sure, yeah, we get them lunch and then we get them out the door. Absolutely insane. All right, let's get into this mock draft. Uh, and like all great mock drafts, Mello, we're gonna go snake style. I'll start this thing off with the Cardinals at one. Uh, let me get my Excel spreadsheet up. Uh, you know, like us all good scouts do. Uh, got my top, you know, six or seven in each position, just in case you go off the board. Uh, and steal my guys. So you ready? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's get it. All right. Obviously, Arizona Cardinals at one. The rumors 
from the very beginning have been Kyler Murray. And we're not going to get too crazy here. We're just going to take him and stick him there here, Mello at one. And we're going to take him off the board. Now, the question obviously becomes, um, you know, what's the worth going to be for Josh Rosen in the trade and the kickback coming back from that? Um, obviously, we've heard even crazy stories such as the Arizona Cardinals are, um, you know, contemplating keeping them both on the roster, which I think is a big load of hock, a big load of shit, if you will, um, <laughs> Mello. Um, in, in hopes of, you know, driving up that trade value inevitably. Um, but I think they're also kind of hoping uh, that these teams will get a little bit more desperate towards, uh, you know, draft day. So I got Kyler Murray going off at one, uh, which makes the San Francisco 49ers job at two really, really easy in my, in my mind. John Lynch does not have any uh, room to spare, if you will, when it comes to these draft picks. So with Nick Bosa still being available at number two, I think you take the safest bet. You finally go get your impact pass rusher right there at number two for the San Francisco 49ers. First two picks I think are fr- pretty sewed up and uh, pretty simple right there, Mello. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that's the way that it's all going to shake out. The real wild card is going to be the Cardinals. If they do do something uh, crazy and go ahead and take Bosa after they've been tied to Murray this whole time, it, I mean, it'll shake up the rest of the draft. But if if Bosa's sitting there at number two like everybody expects him to be, then the Niners have to turn in that card so fast. It, he's almost a perfect prospect as an edge rusher, so they got to get him in there. You're talking about one of the wildest draft day stories in the history of the NFL draft. If this was all a three or, you know, two and a half month ploy almost at this point of Kyler Murray going number one and then they still, uh, you know, they end up taking Nick Bosa or, you know, something like that. That would be one of the craziest things I think in the history probably, like I said, of the NFL draft. I mean, it'd be absolutely insane. You'd have to tell me that Josh Rosen were in on it this entire time with the deleting of all his Instagram photos and stuff like that. Wow. That would be absolutely insane. Um, all right, so that puts you on the clock. New York Jets at three, Mello. Who are you taking? Uh, all right, so a lot of Jet fans, I think they want to see Quinn and Williams come off the board here. I just think they need an edge rusher too bad, and they can't pass up on Josh Allen here. So I'm going to take Josh Allen number three overall for the Jets. They got a lot of needs on this defense, but when you look at the couple prospects here uh, and the position value and what the Jets need, I just don't think they can pass up this edge rusher and Josh Allen out of Kentucky. All right, I like Josh Allen's tape, um, and you know I'm comfortable with them him or there, him there. Excuse me, at number three. So you, you don't really know what Greg Williams is going to run, whether he's going to stay uh, in his traditional three-four or move into more of a four-three set. But either way, Josh Allen can do both, and we know he can even cover yep. the football or you know cover in the past. So let's get on to number four, Oakland Raiders. Who you got, Mello? Uh, Oakland Raiders should be very happy to have Quinnen Williams still sitting there. I I think he's probably the second best prospect in this class. And I really wouldn't be surprised if the Jets take him. Uh, But I'm going number four overall here, Quinnen Williams. If he's there, they've got to pull the trigger on this big dude. Agreed. All right, so that makes the number five pick for me fairly easy. And we're running these off really, really quickly. Um, But, you know, with the loss of Quan Alexander uh, to free agency this year, I think they honestly get an upgrade at the linebacker position here, if he's still on the board. And that's Devin White, uh, the linebacker out of LSU. I know a lot of mocks, uh, including, I believe, Stick to Footballs at some point, has had Devin White going as high as four. Um, But I don't think there's any chance he slides past Tampa Bay at five, unless they, you know, go crazy uh, and go off the wall there. So I'll take Devin White, linebacker out of LSU, obviously, there at number five. And again, I think he's an upgrade from Quan Alexander. Let's pause and get Melo's thoughts. You think he's an upgrade even from Quan Alexander from last year? Um, oh, I, I, I definitely do. I think he is one of the best middle linebacker prospects that I've watched in a, a very long time. Even with guys like Roquan Smith coming mm-hmm. out uh, of Georgia last year, Devin White can just do everything. He is so fast on the field. His instincts are great. The dude can tackle. He can hit. Uh, there should be no way in hell he makes it past Tampa Bay. If he's still on the board, they have such a huge need at linebacker. They have to go fill it with this like once-in-a-lifetime linebacker. Yeah, I'm pretty sure last time I checked Pro Football Focus's depth charts uh, and grades and whatnot, I'm pretty sure Buchanan was their starting linebacker there in Tampa. So you can't really – I mean, that sounds nice three years ago when Bruce Arians, Arians was still in Arizona. Uh, and, <laughs> right. And, and Buchanan was this like – uh, you know, Monday night football talking point where this 215-pound linebacker uh, playing and doing well. But, you know, that was three or four years ago. That body's taken quite a beating 
uh, since then. So that puts the New York Giants on the clock at number six. And I know this isn't necessarily your guy, Mello, um, but I'm going to take Dwayne Haskins, quarterback out of Ohio State, um, here at six, and here's why. All this slander we've heard uh, recently about Dwayne Haskins, I've heard things, you know, he might even drop down to the third or fourth quarterback <laughs> taken off the board uh, in this first round. I, I always question or, or, or wonder where that slander's coming from. And in my opinion, that slander's coming out of New York's camp, hoping that they can keep the value down on him uh, so they don't have to move up from six. I know, again, this is your guy, Dwayne Haskins. Maybe give the audience a little uh, taste of your take on Dwayne Haskins, why you're not necessarily so hot on him. So I, I'm not very high on him, but I, I think you're right here. The Giants probably do go with him, and you're probably right again because I think they're just trying to undersell him and be like, oh, don't take him, and then they're going to snatch him up at six. I just don't see a franchise quarterback when I watch him play. I think there are a lot of questions around his game and what he can really do. And since he was only a one-year starter, we never got those questions answered. I really question uh, whether he can throw the deep ball or not. I know that he's got some good arm strength when it comes to the shorter routes and the intermediate stuff. He can get the ball to the outside. Uh, but I do have some questions about that offense that he ran in Ohio State, his arm. I think he's a guy who's going to have to come in and he's going to have to sit for a year or two. And luckily, the New York Giants still have Eli Manning sitting there. And it seems like they're going to roll with him in 2019. So I think that they can take a chance and bring in Haskins, who I don't think is a franchise quarterback, but you brung up Pat Mahomes earlier. I mean, I've been wrong before, so maybe I'm wrong again here. I just I see him more as a second rounder or since he's a quarterback, maybe at the end of the first round. Yeah. I think he would he would probably be the uh, fourth or fifth quarterback in last year's class. But yeah, that's, this year, that's very a little fair. different. I mean, that's very fair. I mean, my thing with – uh, Dwayne Haskins is, I, I don't think there's a very high ceiling, but I don't think the floor is extremely low with this type of prospect. I think you, you kind of know what you're getting. Um, and, you know, if he develops and gets much, much better, that's awesome. But, um, I mean, to me, I think he's a fairly above-average NFL starter. Uh, I, I, we're talking the likes of, you know, the Ryan Tannehills of the world, the Andy Daltons of the world. I don't see Andrew Luck um, or anything like that in Dwayne Haskins. But, again, if you get a 9-, 10-year starter in the NFL – so, you know, like Andy Dalton and like Rand Tannehill was, um, you know, it doesn't sound like this, the greatest thing in the world at the number six overall pick. Um, yeah. You know, you're pretty much 50-50 on quarterbacks in the first round anyways at this point. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just think they have to, honestly. And like you said, sit for a year. The situation looks perfect there behind Eli. So that puts you on the clock. Jacksonville at seven. What do the Jags do to help out their new quarterback in Nick Foles? No, I think you're exactly right. I think they are going to help out their new quarterback, and they're going to give him some protection. Uh, I've seen a lot of people talking about maybe DK here or them going with a tight end, but I think they're going to go with that tackle position. They have some needs. I know they have Cam Robinson coming back, but, I mean, mm -hmm. if Cam Robinson's just starting left tackle, you have some holes on that offensive line. So I think Juwan Taylor can come in and probably play right tackle yeah. immediately for the Jaguars, and then eventually maybe in year two or year three, I think he can slide over and – and probably take that left tackle spot if he needs to. Yeah, I mean, I love the pick right here with Juwan Taylor. I've, I've had him number one on my tackle board, as most have uh, throughout this process. And like you mentioned there with Cam Robinson playing the left tackle position, um, Juwan Taylor, a traditional uh, plug-and-play right tackle coming out of college. That's why that's what he did play um, there, obviously, at Florida, the bulk of his snaps. So he's not going to have to make a transition or anything right there. So I like that pick as well. And, you know, I'm not in such a rush to move these guys. You know what I'm saying? If, like, if he's a Pro Bowl caliber right tackle, then go find another left tackle. You know what I'm saying? Don't just try to force uh, the fit there. Um, but that's just me coming from being an offensive lineman and, uh, you know, having to be plugged and played in different spots. Um, let's move on. Let's go to number eight, uh, the Detroit Lions. Mello, what do they do uh, now with Juwan Taylor just recently off the board? Uh, if I'm the Detroit Lions – and I think Matt Patricia will do similar here. I'm going to go with an edge rusher that I really like, a guy that we saw at the Senior Bowl uh, just really take over and then through the combine process has been electric. I'm going Montez Sweat, and I, I like know it. that um, other people have talked about Rashawn Gary or maybe even Brian Burns and some of these other edge rushers. I like Montez Sweat more than them. I think that he's just a hair behind Josh Allen, who we had uh, going number three overall. So if you can get your hands on an elite edge rusher here at pick number eight, I think you have to be very happy about that, uh, especially with such a need on that defense. 
Yeah, I'm there with you. I think, uh, you know, Matt Patricia is going to draft, obviously, in similar, what I like to call Belichickian fashion, um, draft the big, biggest, baddest, smartest monster on the board. And, um, you know, I, don't, I, I think he could fall in love with Rashawn Gary. I'm not high on Rashawn Gary, um, but, you know, the big physical freak um, there with him. But Montez Sweat is no short, uh, you know, uh, nothing short in that department when it comes to physical attributes. So I like to pick there for Detroit, uh, you know, and the defensive ends have gone one, two, three uh, off my big board as I hoped they would. I mean, uh, like you said, I've heard names like Brian Burns and Rashawn Gary there, but I like your pick there, Mello, with Montez Sweat. That takes us to nine with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, a lot of help uh, this offseason in free agency signings, but, you know, not a lot of huge names, not any names in my opinion. Uh, no free agents were signed that keeps them from drafting over that free agency, if you will, um, in the draft. So uh, that being said, they need offensive line help. They need wide receiver help. Hell, they even need a tight end. Um, I'm going to take the best lineman available, and at this point in this mock draft, I'm going to say that's Jonah Williams, uh, offensive tackle out of Alabama. Um, I'll plug and play him there uh, at in Buffalo, give Josh Allen a little more protection. Um, and just as another reminder, since we said Josh Allen's name, uh, Mello still owes the people a Natty Light tattoo. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, thoughts on Jonah Williams. What, what's your take on Jonah Williams? I love Jonah Williams, and I still don't understand why people aren't viewing him as a tackle. I know that maybe his arms are a little bit short, but come on. Like, this is one of the best tackle prospects that we've had in a very long time. And then we're going to try to move him to guard. Yeah. I, I just – I don't understand why you would do that. But on the flip side, I think he could be a very good guard. Hell, I think he could be center. And if you're Buffalo, he could start day one at any position you want him to. Put his ass out there at left tackle, mm -hmm. and he's probably the best left tackle. Put him at center if you want to. You just got to get some help on the offensive line. And Jonah Williams can do everything, literally everything on the offensive line. Yeah, so here's my take on Jonah Williams. I mean, an absolute technician, right, at the left tackle position uh, in, during his career at Alabama. But to me, I saw a, a guy who was prone uh, to be a little bit of a leaner in the run game, uh, which makes me question his ability uh, to play the guard position at the NFL. Obviously, you're only going to get bigger and stronger dudes um, there at the next level, especially on the interior. I don't question it whether or not he can play the uh, center position. I know he's really, really smart. Um, and again, a technician, which makes me believe uh, he'll be able to figure out the uh, the zone and combo concepts there in the middle. Um, and obviously, I think he can stick there at the tackle position. Um, all those things being said, Buffalo needs so much help on the offensive line. Get a guy who can do absolutely anything in Jonah Williams. Um, you know, again, I'm a little less high on him playing the guard position. But nonetheless, that takes us to number 10 with the Denver Broncos on the clock. And look, I know Drew Locke is just an inch short of John Elway's ideal design um, in a 6'5", 6'6", quarterback. Um, but I, I just don't believe signing uh, Joe Flacco in the offseason keeps him from pulling the trigger on yet another quarterback in the draft process. Give me Drew Locke, quarterback out of Mizzou. Uh, what's your thoughts on that pick real quick, Melo, before we get to the Bengals at 11? Oh, definitely. I think this is what happens here. Just You're right. Uh, Flacco's not the future of this organization. He's the guy who's going to come in for maybe a year or so, get Drew Locke ready, uh, just like we saw him do last year with Lamar Jackson. I think it's going to be the same thing, and I hope Flacco's ready for it because I really think that's what they got him for. All right, so let's get on to 11. Cincinnati Bengals now the top three uh, available quarterbacks off the board. I know there were some rumors uh, that they wanted their quarterback of the future here at 11, but probably not going to happen, at least in this mock draft. Cincinnati Bengals, what do you got, Melo? Uh, I'm going to go athletic linebacker for them. Uh, I think that's one of the needs that they have here. And you're right. Um, they probably do need their quarterback of the future because it doesn't sound like it's going to be Andy Dalton. But I'm going to go with Devin Bush here. I really like his game. And once he measured in at the 5'11", 235, I think that really boosted his stock. And Cincinnati has always been in need of more athletic linebackers. It felt like for years they had these big, bulky guys. And now we're starting to see that kind of trend differently. Uh, Devin Bush is a three-down linebacker. He's great in coverage. He's great against the run. He's a really do-it-all linebacker for you. And the Bengals are going to have to do something to stop the Browns, as weird as that sounds. 
You know, I mean, obviously you lose Vontez Perfect in free agency this offseason. And, um, you know, Devin Bush is a much, much faster uh, Vontez Perfect on film, at least in my opinion. You talk about a dude who brings a pop every time he hits you. Uh, Devin Bush, just a ball of muscle there out of Michigan. I like to pick there at 11. That takes us to 12. What does Green Bay do? Do they go to offense to help uh, Aaron Rodgers? We know they got two picks here in the first round. Do they go offense first, defense second? What do they do here, Melo, at 12? I think they do stay offense. I think they go ahead and help out their boy, Andrew, Aaron Rodgers. Sorry. Uh, there's just so much that they could do here. But TJ Hawkinson, I think, is a complete player who might not even be available for them at 12. I could see him going as high as eight uh, to Detroit. So if they can get this all-around tight end who can come in and play and be an immediate target for Aaron Rodgers, I think that helps keep your franchise quarterback happy for the next five years. You know, I like the pick. I mean, T.J. Hawkinson, obviously, you know, it's kind of a pick your poison when it comes to, uh, you know, the Iowa tight ends coming out this year and him and Noah Fant. Uh, You know, I believe you get your perfect counterbalance to Jimmy Graham. T.J. Hawkinson is everything Jimmy Graham is not when it comes to a tight end and vice versa. I think, you know, uh, Jimmy Graham gives you maybe the verticality uh, and the 50-50 red zone ball uh, that T.J. Hawkinson might not be able to, but I can damn sure promise you that, uh, you know, T.J. Hawkinson's a better end-of-line tight end than Jimmy Graham's ever even dreamed of being. Uh, so, I mean, you got that there. I like T.J. Hawkinson there at 12 as well, which takes us to 13 in the Miami Dolphins, and there is still a ton of really, really good football players on the board, Mello. Um, you know, I don't think, obviously, they draft a quarterback here, again, with the top three being gone. I think they wait until next year or even the year after to take their quarterback of the future. Um, so the, the thing here is you just got to get better. Um, I would take best player available, um, which to me right now, they need offensive tackle help. I'm going to plug in Andre Dillard here. Um, one of my favorite, I've got him Offensive tackle number two. Um, I, I know you guys over at Stick to Football maybe question the, his ability to hold up in the run game. Uh, maybe a little light in the ass there, Andre Dillard out of Washington State. But what do you expect? It's a guy who was never asked to, you know, uh, run exactly. downhill at all in college. So maybe it's there. He just hasn't had to call upon it in a long time. Yeah, definitely. And he's a tackle, and we're trying to find guys who can play tackle. Yeah. Uh, and their value is going to shoot up the board. I, I expect him to probably go right here in this range. And you're right, he never had the opportunity to really go be a run blocker. Most of his sets were just getting into his kick step. And, and so he does that well. And I think the NFL really values that. And, and they may see his game and think, you know what, we'll see if he can run block. And if not, we're going to be happy with him just being on the left side of our offensive line and kicking ass for a few years. Yeah, uh, Washington State, I was doing some numbers when I was obviously, you know, building a profile for uh, Mr. Dillard. Washington State threw the football 76.4% of the time last year uh, there in the Pac-12. So, again, dropping back all the time like we've been talking about. So that takes us to number 14 with the Atlanta Falcons and with Jonah Williams, uh, Jawan Taylor, and Andre Dillard off the board. I think they should have their eyes on a right tackle with Ryan Schrader, the you know eight- or nine-year vet here in Atlanta, now being released during free agency. But with Ed Oliver still on the board, I think you draft the heir apparent there to Grady Jarrett. Um, I know there are two undersized defensive tackles there playing next to each other. But if you flip on the tape of Ed Oliver, this is a dude who drives back triple teams uh, on a consistent basis there at Houston. So though people do question his weight, Melo, I don't question the strength at all. Um, What are your thoughts on Ed Oliver following here all the way to 14 with the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, I like that pick. You mentioned the fact that he's falling. And I mean, if you had told me in August that Ed Oliver was going to go in our mock draft to pick 14 overall, I said you were you were crazy. But it, that's the way that it goes. A lot of these NFL teams, they have a height and weight requirement, especially for their defensive linemen. Um, but I think you're right in the fact that he fits in very well with what Atlanta wants to do on defense. And I really I would be surprised if he even saw some some action out there at the edge for them just because what he can do, he's really, he's a complete player. It's just kind of sad that he doesn't weigh, you know, 300 pounds, 310, or we'd be talking about him probably as a top five player. 
No, I totally agree. There's two players in this draft. Uh, if they both had about 15 pounds on them, uh, we would be talking about them being transcendent talents. That'd be Ed Oliver and Brian Burns, both a little, uh, a little too light to be considered the, that transcendent, transcendent talent, if you will. Um, but another thing here for me, I was telling, you know, I live here in Atlanta, Mellow, so I have buddies of mine that are huge Falcons fans all the time asking me questions. And one of the questions was, you know, what do we do at 14, obviously? And I was telling them about Ed Oliver and the fact that I just know for a fact, I can just see it already. Dan Quinn sitting in the war room watching film of Ed Oliver pursue the football, and he's just sitting there with just the just pitching the biggest of tents, watching that guy run <laughs> down the football. Um, because I haven't seen a defensive line prospect pursue the football like Ed Oliver. But that, I, I'll stop with my rants there. I'm with you. I'm really, really high on him. I uh, can't believe we're taking him here at 14. That puts you on the clock. Washington Redskins, 15. No quarterbacks available. They would have had traded for Josh Rosen by now, right, Melo? <laughs> I mean, you would think so. I, I don't know what the Cardinals are waiting for, but the, the Redskins have to be one of the favorites to land Rosen, and, and I'm not going to take Daniel Jones here in this spot. Uh, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to get an edge rusher. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Rashawn Gary, I know a lot of people aren't high on him, uh, and I'm probably one of those guys. But right here at pick 15, I think you can do that, and the Redskins kind of like their bigger edge rushers. So if that's what they view Rashawn Gary as, then they can really solidify that defense with all those guys that they have from Alabama on that defensive line, bringing in Landon Collins. Now go ahead and get Rashawn Gary and, and hope that he is the edge rusher that a lot of people think that he is. All right. I like it. Rashawn Gary probably not falling to uh, 15 in a lot of mock drafts, um, but, you know, I'm cool with it. All right, so that takes us to 16 with the Carolina Panthers. What are the Panthers doing? We got another edge rusher coming off the board here, Mello. Yeah, we do, man. It's like you're looking at my board here. Uh, but I'm going to go with one of my favorite edge rushers here, uh, and I'm going to keep him in Carolina. I'm going Cleveland Farrell. Heck yeah, I you left me game, Brian man. Burns. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I love Cleveland Farrell's <laughs> game, man. And if you can get him in a good 4-3 defense, I think he's going to excel. His first step is one of the quickest I've ever seen. You talk about how Ed Oliver can really pursue the football. I think Cleveland Farrell is right up there. I think a yeah. lot of things that went right for that defense last year – started with Cleveland Furl on the defensive line. So the Panthers should be pretty happy. I'd probably look at a, maybe a tackle, but we kind of went tackle heavy at the beginning of the draft here. So I would be happy with them getting Cleveland Furl. You want to know what Cleveland Farrell is all about? Turn on, I think it's about three minutes left uh, in the, uh, not the, yeah, the national championship game. Clemson's up like three or four scores already, and there's a goal line stand with like three minutes left, and Cleveland Farrell's just playing balls to the wall, and they're up three or four scores. At that moment, I knew uh, that that guy was, you know, some guys are sparks uh, on defenses, and even the great ones. That defense over there in Clemson was loaded. We'll see, you know, six, seven, maybe eight guys come off that defense this year uh, and play and, and be in NFL camps. And uh, you, you could obviously see is what I'm getting at. There was a clear uh, alpha uh, there on that defense, and it was Cleveland Farrell. So to be an alpha among alphas, uh, you're going to be probably a pretty good pro, wouldn't you say, Melo? Oh, definitely, definitely agree. I think he's going to be a, a locker room favorite from day one. All right, so that takes us to 17. And now, look, look at this run right here. We got Ed Oliver there at 14 to the Falcons. We got Rashawn Gary there at 15 to the Redskins. We got Cleveland Farrell here at 16, and I already spoiled it. We're going to take <laughs> Brian Burns because he's still somehow available at 17 uh, here with the New York Giants. Obviously, they took uh, you know Dwayne Haskins here in this mock at the number six overall pick, um, and they come back and solidify the edge rusher now with Olivier Vernon uh, going to Cleveland and kind of similar players, if you will, uh, you know, maybe not necessarily in the height department between Olivier and Brian Burns, but two quick twitch athletes, nonetheless, both undersized in the weight department at the edge rusher position. But this is a guy who can absolutely turn and bend the edge. Uh, you know, I saw his pro day, man, and uh, he's damn near touching his elbow or excuse me, his shoulder to the turf when he's getting around bags and doing bag drills. So I'm fascinated with the athleticism uh, that comes out of Brian Burns. So I'll take him there at 17 simply because he's available uh, to the New York Giants, which takes us to 18 with the Minnesota Vikings. I got here on my notes, uh, take best offensive tackle available. Uh, you got to keep Kirk Cousins upright, man. You paid him $84 million guaranteed uh, over, you know, two more years guaranteed in that contract um you know and they, they luckily kept Anthony Barr uh this offseason kept him from going to the Jets so I keep I think that saves them from going defense here at pick number 18 
for that reason, I'll take uh, Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. You know, not necessarily your prototypical offensive tackle, but what I like to call a road grader at the position there, Mello, a guy that's just going to clear traffic. Um, and Minnesota, an offense that had, the pro- had problems running the football last year, Cody Ford will immediately help that. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two picks there, Brian Burns and uh, Cody Ford? I definitely love the Brian Burns pick, too, because I, I am really big on him, even though I, I let him slip to you and to Cleveland Furl. I think that he's going to really excel in the NFL. Uh, we interviewed him earlier throughout this draft process, and I think he told us he was around 240, 245. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I didn't believe him. I thought it was just something he was saying, trying to get his draft stock up. Uh, but he came out and he showed it, weighing in at, I think, 249 at the combine was huge mm-hmm. for him because uh, that's a guy that we thought was going to be playing around 220, 225. So that's definitely big for him to be able to get up there. And then this next pick, Minnesota, you're right. Whoever is available, the best offensive lineman, just go ahead and take them, and it happens to be Cody Ford. All right, so that takes us to 19, the Tennessee Titans, man. Um, a, a team that I haven't heard a lot of buzz out of um, in this pre-draft process. What the hell do the Tennessee Titans do at 19? Uh, you know, so all the receivers still available here. Um, pretty much anything, uh, you know, there's, I'm not going to spoil it for you. I already ripped some names off for you. Go ahead. What do the Tennessee Titans do at 19, Melo? I think there there are a lot of options for them, and I think they got to go out and they got to help their quarterback the best that they can. Um, and like you said, all the receivers are still there. Um, I don't like DK Metcalf. I don't like his game. I think this Preach. is going to be a guy who I would probably identify as uh, someone who's going to bust. I just I don't know if he can stay healthy. I know he made some electric plays, but at the same time, AJ Brown was on that same field with him, mm-hmm. and the dude produced like crazy. Mm-hmm. So if I'm the Tennessee Titans. I'm going to grab A.J. Brown right here. I think he can play in the slot. He can play outside. He's been productive in the SEC, went up against some very tough matchups and still was able to shine. So if I'm the Titans, I'm going A.J. Brown. All right, so just to be clear, you're taking A.J. Brown off the board and leaving D.K. Metcalf, which, hey, to be honest with you, I'm looking at my big five or my top five right here. Mine look the same exact way. A.J. Brown sitting atop D.K. Metcalf for all the same reasons you just uh, labeled. Um you know, they weren't dealing with a lot of great quarterback play there at Ole Miss. And somehow, like you said, A.J. Brown seemed to produce. And I seem, I feel like every time that dude touched the ball, he made four or five guys miss and then ran the fifth and sixth one over. Um, I was really, really impressed with what A.J. Brown did on film. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with you taking him there at 19. Let's put the Steelers on the clock uh, there at 20. What does Pittsburgh do? Um, I, I, I would assume they take D.K. Metcalf now, right? Go ahead. Uh, I think I think they'll pass on him. Actually, I think they're pretty happy with what they have with Juju, and uh, I don't know if they want to bring in another headache like they had with AB. Yeah. So I think they're going to address corner here. They, there's a lot of needs on that defense that they still have to fill. So if I'm the Steelers, I'm going to take Greedy Williams, who it's another guy that if you would have told me in August he's going to fall to twenty, I would have said you were crazy. But that's just the way that the draft goes and the way things shake out. The first corner taken in our draft goes to twenty to the Steelers. You know, I, I don't I, – I'm, I'm there with you. I think the, the not necessarily willingness to tackle, obviously, has been the downfall here. And Greedy – and I don't think any of these corners had a very good draft process, Mello. I mean, Greedy, Greedy got eaten apart for his uh, tackling ability. DeAndre Baker had an awful testing uh, portion of his combine, as did uh, – I'm blanking on the kid's name um, – Excuse uh, Byron me, Byron Murphy. Murphy out of Washington as well. Not a great testing process, except he killed the drills. That's the only difference. Um, so, you know, I, I'm cool with it. Greedy Williams right there. I believe is Joe Hayden still on that roster in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yep. two corners there that don't necessarily have a tendency to tackle. So that might become an issue. But that's not the name of the game in the NFL. The name of the game is covering first, tackling second. Um, so Greedy Williams is still a very valuable prospect. I'm cool with it there at 20. That takes us to 21. I'm on the board with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, you know, I still think they need a, a wide receiver help. Doug Baldwin's been their most reliable receiver for the last, you know, half decade. Um, that's not necessarily, uh, you know, a diss on Doug Baldwin, but that's not necessarily a compliment uh, to that, um, you know, general management staff there in Seattle. So uh, I have in my notes peak DK Metcalf here. Um, that's a, a huge deep ball threat option, right? I mean, no one throws a better deep ball than Russell Wilson. So I'm just going to go ahead and plug it in, take the pos- positional value here. Um, I don't think I've seen that in, in any mock drafts, but screw it, uh, Mello. I'll take DK Metcalf off the board to the Seattle Seahawks only for the fact that I want to watch Russell Wilson throw a rainbow for about 75 yards and make him go run underneath it. 
Yeah, if he can land in Seattle, I'm definitely taking him off my board as a guy that might bust because Russell Wilson, you're right, throws a very pretty deep ball, and I think he can uh, he can air it out well enough to let DK run over, run under that for a while. That's what I'm saying. Even if that's all he can do for like the next five years of Russell Wilson's career, if all DK Metcalf can do is run four three three in a straight line, I, I'm probably okay with that because that to me that opens up. Uh, Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin for all those underneath uh, success. So I'll take it off the board there, even though I think they have a bunch of needs defensively, especially uh, in the defensive back uh, group with the loss of Earl Thomas, and they obviously need to uh, fill the potential void in Frank Clark with that franchise tag they just slapped on him. So that takes us to 22. I know that's a lot of information for the listener. 22 to the Baltimore Ravens. Again, I think they have wide receiver needs, but all the good wide receivers at least – uh, you know, that rank in this value are already off the board with both the old Miss guys going. So I will take the best defensive end available um, at this point. Actually, hmm, where are we at? We're at 22. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Is Cleveland Farrell already? Nah, he's already off the board. Screw nope, it. Nope, I got I'm him. tossed. Yeah, I know I'm tossed. So I'm going to take, um, hmm, let's go. Jeffrey Simmons uh, from Mississippi State. I know this is almost a redshirt situation for him, but to be honest with you, I'm rattled because all the wide receivers are off the board, and that's partially my fault. Um, What would you have done right here anyways? I mean, they need defensive line help. um, Probably don't need it uh, necessarily at the defensive tackle position, but Jeffrey Simmons, Simmons, let him sit out, uh, you know, six or seven games, let him get healthy. Uh, Maybe offensive line help there too. Um, but all of our edge rushers are off the board. Uh, this is probably worst-case scenario for Baltimore, wouldn't you say, Melo? Uh, it is rough because you probably do want to get your hands on an edge rusher or one of the receivers here. And, I mean, we just saw a run on receivers with A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. So you're right, but with Jeffrey Simmons, man, this is a guy who would probably still be reviewed as like a top five prospect mm-hmm. had he not gotten hurt. And even with the kind of the off-field incidents that he's, he's run into in the past, he's a great player, and he is probably going to have to redshirt a year. Uh, but I think that Baltimore would be very happy to get him next to Brandon Williams and see what he can do uh, in that defensive line and really free up those linebackers to make some plays. All right, for sure. So that takes us to 23. The Houston Texans are on the clock. What do they do uh, to sure up that roster, Mello? Gosh, man. Uh, let's see, the Texans really need some offensive line help, but like we've talked about, I don't know that I'm going to take a tackle mm-hmm. right here. I'm probably going to go – I'm going to go interior offensive lineman, though. Okay. Uh, my guy Garrett Bradbury, oh. uh, I really like him out of NC State. I was hoping that he would fall to 29. Uh, but I just don't know if it's going to happen for him anymore. I think he's too good, and everybody's starting to catch on. He moves very, very well for a center. So even if you had to play him at guard for a little bit, I think he can excel in that guard role until he really learns center. Uh, but I also I think he's good enough. He could come in and be a day-one starter for the Texans, and they've got to do something to keep Deshaun Watson healthy, keep that guy upright because he looks like a franchise quarterback whenever he's on the field. Yeah, Garrett Bradbury moves scary fast for a uh, six, you know, six three, six four, three hundred pound uh, center. So yeah, I'm I'm high on Garrett Bradbury as you are. Um, so that takes you to 24, the second of three overall uh, number one draft picks for the Oakland Raiders. What do they do here at 24, Melo? Gosh, man, the Raiders they have some good picks here at the light, latter end of the first round. We already gave them Quinton Williams mm-hmm. uh, at the top of it. I'm going to stay on defensive side. You were talking about corners earlier, uh, and that reminded me of Byron Murphy. He, he didn't test well throughout this whole process, but I think his game film is still good enough. He's very fluid through his hips. He can mirror match with people. He can stick on any receiver, and Oakland runs into some pretty damn good receivers in their division. So I think they're going to have to go get a corner, and Byron Murphy right here is the top one on my board. Yeah, a little fun fact about Byron Murphy. Um, I'm pretty sure he had the highest pro football-focused uh, collegiate grade uh, since Patrick Peterson at the cornerback position. Oh, geez. So uh, pro football focus loved at least his tape, uh, as you mentioned. You mentioned his tape, uh, so that immediately made me think of that. Uh, so that's a little fun fact for you. You can feel free to mention that whenever you want. So that puts me on clock at 25. And fact check me on that, too. I'm almost 100% positive. 25 takes us to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, obviously, I think even with, um, you know, the trade for Jordan Howard, um, I, I still think, you know, 
that coaching staff there in Philadelphia loves um, to win with running back by committee at that position. So for that reason, I'm going to take the best available uh, running back, um, Josh Jacobs. To me, the only first-round caliber uh, running back in this year's draft. Um, you know, and to me, there's a litany of them. I mean, you can try to argue. Uh, there's arguments basically to be had is what I'm trying to say for basically two through five at the running back position, in my opinion. Uh, Josh Jacobs off the board, though, for me at 25. Your thoughts on the pick, Melo? Uh, that one does make a lot of sense just for how well Josh Jacobs catches the ball out of the backfield. And I know that's something the Eagles will look for. Mm-hmm. And it's also the reason why the Bears got rid of Jordan Howard. They didn't think that he could catch the ball out of the backfield like they wanted. So they moved him on to Philadelphia. But with a running back by committee, those two running backs back there would be very scary for anyone in the NFC East. Absolutely. All right. So 26, the Indianapolis Colts are on the clock. And, man, to me, I had both these guys' names down here um, for two completely opposite reasons. Um, both safeties, however, that's Nasir Adderley and Taylor Rapp. Um, I was going to plug Taylor Rapp in at this spot, um, but the overall bad pro day and the fact that Nasir Adderley is more of a traditional one deep high, uh, cover one deep high safety, which to me is what the league's more trending towards. Um, Taylor Rapp more of an in-the-box thumper. Uh, for those reasons, I'll take Nasir Adderley uh, DB out of Delaware off the board here. Um, your thoughts on that pick, Mello? I love him. I, I would love him uh, to fall maybe like three spots lower than this. But he, you're right. He's a do-it-all guy. You could play him at nickel corner. Uh, hell, you might be able to play him on the outside. I think he could be that free safety. I think he could be the end-of-box safety mm-hmm. uh, because he tackles well. I know he's not a big guy, uh, but he does tackle well. Even if he's not always bringing a, a big hit, he tackles. He brings runners down. So, And he fits in with that locker room, the, just a try-hard guy that's going to come work his ass off for you. I think the Colts would be very happy with that pick. All right, you got all three Raiders picks. That takes us to 27, the last of your Raiders picks. Um, yeah. You know, even though you're a, you know, a so-called diehard, even though Pat Mahomes just got there a couple years ago, diehard <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs fans, you got all three Raiders picks. What do they do with the last one? Yeah, I think you must have set me up on this one just to see what I would do here. But we went defense. I just took Byron Murphy. Then we took Quinn and Williams earlier. Uh, so I feel like I have to do something for him on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, there are some receivers there, but they kind of went out and signed some receivers. I don't think they need that. I, I'm going to give them another target. I'm going to go Noah Fant. Uh, I believe he's still on the board he for is. us. He is. Uh, if put him with A.B. and some of the other receivers they have, so find out what you have in car. Is yeah. he going to be your franchise quarterback under John Gruden, or do you need to move on? I think you give him another target like this to go along with Antonio Brown, and you can really find out what kind of quarterback you have. Yeah, I mean, they lose Jared Cook this season or this offseason to free agency. Um, you know, I think they definitely have to take a couple more swings at the tackle position because know, Lord knows they whiffed on uh, both their tackles they took in the draft last year. Um, so that I mean I'm I'm fine with the pick though. Uh, no offense, the positional value right here at 27 is outrageous. So I'm, I'm good with the pick. 28, the Los Angeles Chargers. What do they do here, Mello? The Chargers. I think they gotta go defensive line. Yes. Uh, they their defense looked very good when they they were facing uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and they were able to shut down that defense that offense with a lot of safety help. But then they faced the big boys and the Patriots, and they got their asses ran all over. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give them another Clemson guy, Christian Wilkins, here in the middle of that defense. I think that he's going to help free up some of those edge rushers that they have. I think he's athletic enough that he can pressure the quarterback too. And then just shutting down that run, freeing up your linebackers to help out. they got to do something here, and Christian Wilkins is still on our board. I like that. I mean, Christian Wilkins – um, you know, I think I've said it since the very one of the very first episodes here on the NFL Mox podcast. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers just don't have enough large human beings on their roster that play the defensive line position. Um, extremely undersized, and not just at the defensive line position, they're rather undersized at the linebacker position too. So, what's a better way to help that? Uh, get a guy like Christian Wilkins that's going to attract some attention there in the middle. So, I love the pick, which takes us to number twenty-nine to your Kansas City Chiefs. 
And uh, I know you would love uh, if Garrett Bradbury would fall to 29. But to be honest with you, if he were even available here at 29, I wouldn't be taking him, Melo, and here's why. I think there's a ton of holes left to be filled on that defense. And to be honest with you, your offense is well good enough to win there in Kansas City. So even if Bradbury were available here, um, I don't believe I'd be taking him. I think you got to take best corner, safety, or uh, defensive end available at this position. Um, so let's take a look at the corners available. Um, we pretty much got every safety but Nasir Adderley, uh available and every corner but Greedy and Byron taken. I think DeAndre Baker slides out of the first round. For that reason, I'll go ahead and give them – Let's go John Abrams, safety out of Mississippi State. This is a tape I love. I know you've already got a, a semi-in-the-box safety in Tyron Matthew, but to me, I think that's a guy who can absolutely do it all. So let's make John Abrams the thumper in this defense, uh, get him going downhill. I'm telling you what, you go to watch any Mississippi State defensive film from last year, Mello, the first guy that pops off the film is not Jeffrey Simmons. It's not Montez Sweat. At least for me, it was John Abrams taking heads off on this defense. What are your thoughts, my man? Yeah, I, I love this dude. I mean, he sure as hell is going to come and hit. Uh, I don't know if you've heard us talk about it on the podcast before, but this is the dude that was responsible for ending the spring game this year because he laid a hit on one of his teammates so bad, knocked his helmet off. They just called it right then and there, canceled the game. Everybody go home because Jonathan Allen is out here trying to kill folks. And I think he can bring that same thing to the NFL. And you're right with the chiefs. Uh, they got to make some moves in the secondary and on the defense. So I, I would not be disappointed to bring in a guy like Jonathan Abram. No, nah, I like it. Um, so that puts us on the clock here at number 30 with the Green Bay Packers. And uh, you took one of the Iowa tight ends there at 12 with TJ Hawkinson to help out uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, you could maybe use some interior offensive line help um, there in Green Bay, but, you know, I don't necessarily think that's where they go here. So for that reason, let's go find another edge rusher and you know what? Screw it. Clay Matthews just left. Let's give Clay Matthews, you know, deluxe. If there was a Clay, Max, Clay Matthews 2XL, that would be Chase Winovich out of Michigan. I think he's a first-round caliber player. This may be a little too high for some people's taste, um, but to me, man, they have to fill the defensive end position. And in this mock draft, man, they're all flying off the board. So Chase Winovich definitely tested well enough to be a first-round draft pick, and he definitely filmed, put enough on film to be a first-round draft pick. Chase Winovich, what are your thoughts on that pick there to 30? To the I, Green Bay I love it. If I were a Green Bay Packer fan, I would absolutely love it. Because you're right with Chase Winovich. I think he's one of the best players on that Michigan defense. And I mean, I know Devin Bush is going to be special. I know Rashawn Gary already went in this draft. But when you pull up any Michigan defensive highlight, it's Chase Winovich. He's doing something every single play. Mm -hmm. I think that he was the guy that brought that consistency to that defense. Now, was a vocal leader in the locker room. In every single play, he's bringing you something. I, I don't want to get into stereotyping, but, I mean, he's going to be – cast as the gritty guy with the high motor uh, but he's so much more than that he i mean the guy ran like a four five in the 40 now just insane testing number so that might push him uh, into the back of round one too especially with the packers who have already addressed their tight end need for us so if they can go get chase winovich i think he fits in very well he, he's like clay matthews all over again i think you're right about that yeah, I think the double X, though, is very, very important to stress. Uh, I, kn I know uh, Clay Matthews is about 6'3", um, but I think uh, Chase Winovich got a little more, uh, you know, junk in the trunk, uh, if you will. So let's take sh that puts you on the board, 31, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, what do they do to get another shot at the Super Bowl? How do they better their roster, Mello? Oh, man, the, they don't have a whole lot of – of holes on this team, but I'm going to go with offensive line because I think that's a, an area where they're aging quite a bit. They have um, Andrew Whitworth at left tackle, but mm -hmm. it feels like that dude's been in the league for forever. Yeah, I don't know how much tread is left on He that. turns 35 yeah, so, this year. Yeah, he's been playing for a minute. I'm going to go with Dalton Reisner out oh, of K-State uh, because I think they're still in Super Bowl win mode right now, and they're trying to get back there again. And if you need to, you can plug in Reisner at guard or you could put him at tackle for a little bit and you could really develop him and bring him along to be that replacement uh, as soon as you need him to play left tackle. No, as, as you know, we've had Dalton Reisner on here uh, the NFL, on the NFL Mox podcast, man, and I cannot speak highly enough about that young man, uh, a tremendous work ethic and a three-year captain there at Kansas State. You know there's only been five of those in the history of Kansas State football. 
Um, it's 107 years old, uh, Mello. Jeez. So a pretty special individual there in Dalton Reisner, small town kid. Um, and I absolutely love that he snuck into this first round here. And I w- and snuck in's the wrong word because he definitely deserves and has earned a first round caliber grade. Um, a guy who's done nothing but dominate uh, every snap. Uh, he's been there, and you know, started 51 of 52 games. Uh, there at Kansas State, so you know he's more than durable at the position. I like it there at 31. What do the Pats do to round us out uh, here in the first round at 32, Mello? Uh, it almost seems like every year they're picking here at 32, and it turns out to be something special for them. Uh, we've had Taylor Rapp fall yeah. on our board here. I think that he could just be a defensive weapon. You know, if you want him to play over the top, he can. If you want him to play in the box, he can. And you get him and Belichick's defense. I think he's going to be just nasty. So I don't think the Patriots can pass him up. I think Belichick looks at that 40 time and says, I don't, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, I've seen him play. I've seen him do enough that I'm going to get him in my locker room and let him make plays for my defense. So Taylor Rapp here at 32. Absolutely. I mean, historically, the New England Patriots don't necessarily – their best DBs, to me, have never historically been like absolute burners. You know what I mean? They've never been the fastest DBs in the world, but they've been, um, you know, excellent ball skills – uh, and, and just good, uh, you know, smart, savvy players. And Taylor Rapp definitely reads as one of those. So that wraps up our mock with Mello. Mello, bro, I really appreciate you for stopping by here on the NFL Mocks podcast. And if you guys want to check him out on Twitter, it's as simple as it gets. It's at M-E-L-L-O. Mello, we appreciate you, bro. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on, man. No doubt. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.